Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we take a look at a classic episode with some new information. This episode was recommended to me by three people, Cole and Danielle, their co-Patreon users, a cute little couple, and then Tommy Davidson also recommended this episode, and I got a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff to talk about this one as well. It's going to be at the end of the episode. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, I recommend listening to it, and I will see you at the end of this episode. Um, It'll be an interesting one to talk about. So I present to you now episode 283, Sam the Sandown Clown. An attempted kidnapping turns really weird really quick. And then we take a look at the story of Sam, a clown who was in town for just one day. But where he came from was far away from any big top on Earth. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's Root Canal Day. I'm recording this episode pretty early because I have to run to the dentist. But anyways, you can tell how excited I am about that. Let's go ahead and move on to a happier topic, and that is our Patreon, our newest Patreon supporters. We have Dalton Ogden. We have Carson Wright, a good friend of mine, actually. I know him in real life. It's weird when when somebody you know is like, here's $5 a month. When before, if I'd been like, hey, Carson, can I borrow five bucks? I want to go buy some gum. He'd be like, get a job, hippie. But now he can pay me $5 a month for doing the show. Actually, no, he's a really good guy. He, he would have given me some gum. And I'm going to apologize right now because I, this is one of the names I have a really hard time pronouncing. One of the names. There's so many names I have a hard time pronouncing. I'm going to say it very slowly here. Jeremy... Jeremy Davis. I had a friend named... It's Jeremy, right? I had a friend for years. I kept calling him... <laughs> really good guy. I really miss him. I haven't seen him in years. But I I, I thought it was pronounced Jeremy. <laughs> I thought that's how you said it. it was Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. And I, I'm 25 at this point. I wasn't seven. And finally, he pulls me aside one day and he goes, Dude, that's not how you pronounce, that's not how you pronounce my name. That's how people used to make fun of me in school. I was like, "What? I thought that's how you said. I thought you. I, I thought your name was Jeremy." And he's like, "Shh, quit saying it. You've been saying it all this time. My name's not Jeremy. It's Jeremy." But then I've met people who said, "Oh no, no, no my name's Jeremy." So I don't even know anymore. But either way, 
Jeremy Davis. Thank you so much for the support of the show. Same thing with you, Dalton Ogden and Carson Wright. Sorry, Dalton, I don't have a funny story about your name. It's a very cool name, though. It reminds me of Timothy Dalton because I'm an old man and I know who Timothy Dalton is. Let's go ahead and get started with the story here. So the first story, I woke up and I read this story. Now, a lot of times I'm doing a lot of research and we're kind of building this stuff up, but every so often a story pops up and I'm like, this is it. This, this is what I, I need to talk about this story today. So weird. And it actually just happened on Friday. So we're going to go ahead. Let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. We're going to drive to Cleveland, Ohio. We're going way back in time to August 16th, 2019. Driving by in the Jason Jalopy. And we stop at a street corner and we see a 12-year-old girl sitting down waiting for the bus. We're just kind of sitting there eating our gum that Carson got us. And we see a car pull up and a dude starts talking to the girl. So now we're like, oh, great, it's going to be one of those type of stories, right? He's talking to the girl and the, and he's basically like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, uh, well, I'm waiting for a, a school bus. I am a school age child after all. I'm 12 years old. And he's like, well, you know, I could drive you to school. And she's like, no, I'm good. And he's like, can I ask you a couple questions? Like, he wanted to talk with her at this point. She's like, no, but she kept shutting him down. When the police were talking about this, the police said she was very insistent she did not want to talk to this guy. But he keeps on like, hey, you know, like, so what do you think? It's Fortnite season 10. And she's like, dude, just leave. I don't want to talk to you. He ends up driving away. So we're like, whoo, that was close. And a couple minutes later, the car pulls back up. And the guy gets out of the car and gets his cell phone and begins videotaping what's going to happen. I guess the terms are recording. It's not videotaping if you're using an iPhone. But again, old man. He begins recording what he's going to do. So he gets out of his car. He starts walking towards her and he's recording her. And then he, <clears throat> he begins to pee on her. Just pee right on her. Now, here's the thing. No matter how bad your day is. That didn't happen to you. And, and trust me, you can have a really you can have a really bad day. Horrible car accident, loss of a loved one, or you just stubbed your toe. It doesn't have to be super dramatic. It doesn't have to be horrible, life-changing things. But okay, let's just go with the lighthearted one. You stub your toe and you're like, oh my god, I stubbed my toe. But if you stubbed your toe and then you turn around and there's a dude peeing on you, total, total, I'm having a root canal today. As long as the dentist doesn't pee in my mouth, I'm good. I'm good. He begins peeing on her in broad daylight, middle of the day. And it's funny because we have the quotes of what she was saying, like that original conversation, how she was responding to this guy, this weirdo trying to get her in his car. And it was very like girl at the club. Like when you go to a bar or something like that and you try picking up a random girl and she's not interested they just are very just like stone-faced. They usually don't string you along. I'm like, hey... <laughs> that's pretty much all right like hey and they're like no i'm like okay hey i don't buy drinks but if i'm like hey how you doing they'll be like no i'm like okay and turn and walk away like a lot and that's what this girl was which is unfortunate because i not that was unfortunate she was shutting this guy down it makes me think she's used to this kind of interaction with adults where she's just got into that club girl mode where she's like nope very very brusque she wasn't even trying to pretend to be polite so i think she's had encounters with men like this before but as he's and again non non if someone was peeing on me i i'm i'm i don't i think i've never been peed on in my life i don't know how i would react i don't think i would enjoy it that would be a turn of events i'm like oh it's kind of fun 
I think I would just see red and then there would be red everywhere. Like, I can't imagine my reaction if a stranger pissed on me. Her reaction was, what's your problem? Like, I'm assuming she tried moving out of the way during this whole thing. But again, very non-plussed about the whole thing. She's like, what's your problem? Well, your problem right now is that somebody is peeing on you. It's such a normal reaction. It'd be the same thing if someone spilled coffee on you. You're like, what's wrong with you? But instead of coffee, it's coming out of someone's genitals. And so he runs away. I think he, she did not give him the reaction that he wanted. She didn't freak out or run away or start crying or anything like that. She basically stared up into that stream and basically said, what's your problem? Like, again, putting it back on him. He didn't have any power in the situation. He runs away. A couple hours later, he's spotted looking through some cars in the area, acting weird. So someone calls the cops. Now, the cops have a description from the girl. The cops have a description from the person who saw him wandering the neighborhood. And the cops know who this guy is. He's a cop. He was a cop. His name is Solomon Haiwatiwa. 34 years old. He'd been a, he'd been a cop for five years. And it was funny in the article, they're like, he's also been cited for losing his walkie-talkie. And I'm like, I get you need to pad out your article, but I don't think that's relevant to peeing on a 12-year-old girl. And he's facing a ton of charges. So, bravo to that girl. Bravo to that girl. He he did not get what he wanted from her. I think he initially wanted to kidnap her and do whatever horrible things. And then when she shut him down, he wanted to have some sort of power over her. And even in that moment when she's being peed on, she's basically just like... You're a little, little man. I'm not reacting to this in any way, shape, or form as you would want me to. Again, I don't think she sat there like Buddha. I don't think she sat there in a monk pose as it's raining down on her. But she definitely did not give him the power and the panic that he wanted. So, good on you, 12-year-old girl. I always love stories where people get get their comeuppance in a very, very easy way. But let's go ahead and move on to our next story now. Now, our next story... We're going to England. Jolly old England. And luckily, the Jason Jalopy doubles as a chitty-chitty bing-bing car. So we're driving it, and then it starts to slowly go up into the sky. Starts flying through the sky. Magical wings pop out of it, like old wings. Remember that movie, uh, Return to Oz, with the... That movie was a bizarre... It wasn't just a bizarre movie, but it was weird, like, uh, effect on my childhood. One, like, I was maybe, like eight or six or something like that when the movie came out it made me super attracted to goth girls because Faraza Faruza Balk is in it I think I've developed a stutter doing this show uh Faruza Balk is in it and she's a little goth girl and may not want to tell that story so close to the abduction story but I was age appropriate when I had to thank for her and now I just like goth girls in general there's not many goth adults or when they're usually just called heroin users but the reason why I'm getting at that was that the whole movie totally tripped me out. But I remember that scene where they took a couch and a, if you've never seen the movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I recommend it. Return to us. You take a couch and you put a moose head on one end of it and put some feathers in the side of it. And then they threw some juice on it and it came to life and they flew away. That is what, I, what I'm trying to say is that is the, the aerodynamic ability of the Jason Jalopy. It took way too long to build that visual. But I'll I'll save it. Dead Rabbit recommends Return to Oz. Okay, so it's totally scary movie. Dorothy gets electroshock treatment at the beginning of the movie. That's how dark that movie is. But anyways, 
Uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're flying the Jason Jalopy. But we do land in England. And we land in the year 1973. It's May. It's a beautiful May afternoon. And two little friends, they're both seven years old, are out on a magical adventure walking around a golf course. Specifically, we're at Lake Common, which is in Sandown, which is on the Isle of Wight. And on that location at Lake uh, Common, there's the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Club. Now, we got these two little kids. Now, we don't have names, so we're going to call them... We're going to... You know what, dude? We are going to call them Dalton and Jeremy. Because they were Patreon subscribers this episode. <laughs> Sorry, Carson. Sorry, Carson. Um, you're, you're a ghost floating around, but I don't mention you again. So, Jeremy is the girl... This is going real off the rails. Anyways, Jeremy and Dalton, you can assign which gender you want to be. There's a boy and a girl walking through this golf club. Yeah, walking through this golf club. Now, again, we don't know their real names. We don't know. So we don't know their real names. Okay, so I'll just refer to them as boy and girl. I think that'll be far easier than calling. Okay, anyways, boy and girl are walking through the golf club. Golf course. <laughs> golf course. You're walking through the golf course, okay? And the golf course butts up against an old, semi-abandoned airfield, which is ridiculous because you either want to land your plane at a functional airfield or not at all. Like, I can understand if it was an emergency airfield, but it was described as a oft-abandoned airfield, which, again, there's just, like, bales of hay in the middle of it. Planes are crashing. So, anyways... Let's get this back on the back on track. They are at the <laughs> golf course against the airport. Now, they're walking across this foot. They're just having fun. Just two little kids having fun walking around. Jeremy and Dalton on an adventure. So they're crossing this wooden footbridge, right? And it it's over this creek. And they're like, dun, 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 walking through. And they're walking through. And then they hear a... It's this really weird siren. And they said it sounded like a distorted ambulance siren. It sounded more like a cat. Now they're looking around. They're like, can we pet it? But they can't figure out what the sound is. But it does kind of stop them in their tracks. And they're sitting there. And they're standing on the footbridge. And then, from underneath the footbridge, they see a blue-gloved hand reach out of the darkness. And begin beckoning them towards the hand. These two kids are like, what? Are we seeing this correctly? Because not only are they seeing a blue-gloved hand kind of saying, come here, come here. The hand seems to have a wooden slat that pops out of a sleeve going into the glove of the hand. And the hand only has three fingers. But it's still kind of beckoning them closer. And they just stand there motionless. And then the owner of the hand appears. They see a near seven foot tall person step out from underneath the bridge. Long, lanky limbs. A perfectly round head that's too large for its skinny frame. And then the descriptions get really weird. They see its face. It has... A hat, like a pointed hat with a little ball on top. 
That's not the face. That's the hat. But I'm describing that first. Now we're going down to the face. The face looked like someone was wearing a mask. It had triangle eyes, a little brown nose, and a mouth. But you could see into those darkness. So it wasn't just like it was necessarily having makeup. It wasn't just like someone had makeup on. It was like someone had put on a helmet that was that had these markings on it and you couldn't see through it but underneath the hat they could see hair so hair was coming out of this supposed mask imagine someone putting on a scuba diver mask because the head's completely round so it wasn't just covering the face imagine someone putting on a scuba diving mask so it's completely round over their head but then there's hair coming out of the top the scuba diving helmet the hair is actually part of the scuba diving helmet has this little hat on. You just see a little bit of hair sticking out here and there. It's like a reddish hair. And it had like little circles for cheeks. You know, it was basically like if someone drew, if a kid drew a picture of a clown, that's what this dude's face looked like. And it had wooden antennas sticking out of both sides of the head. So you have the cap on and then the wooden antennas sticking out of it. And its feet also had three toes. Like, well, the hands didn't have three toes. It had three digits and they could see a piece of wood coming out of each leg going towards the ground so it almost like it had stilts in its sleeves and its legs now you're thinking okay so this guy's supposedly close to seven feet tall it's probably a normal sized human wearing some sort of stilts and something to make its arms look longer we're going to get into some of the theories of what this thing is in a bit but whatever it was this clown how it's often described this clown looks up at the kids the kids are looking down at the clown, and then the clown, in quite a clownish fashion, drops his book. He was he had some sort of book in his hands, drops it into the water, and then begins fumbling around for it. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh no, my book, my books. I mean, just in a ridiculous fashion. The kids are like, This is the, if this is an alien encounter, we've encountered one of the lame ones. The clown's fishing around for the book, finally gets it out, and then turns and begins moving from the kids. Now, this is something we've talked about in a previous episode. It was the one about the UFO encounter in Finland where the lumberjack chased the alien with a chainsaw. Just like that story, this clown, as it moved, it was taking these long, slow leaps like an astronaut does on the moon. So some sort of gravitational difference between where it's used to going and where we are here now on Earth. And it eventually just kind of bounces away and go, and the kids are following it at this point because they're idiots and they want to know what this thing is. And it disappears. They can't find it. And they're like, well, that's enough for that adventure, I guess, is what they both say because they've just lost track of them. And then they hear the siren sound again, but much, much louder to the point that it freaks the boy out and he takes off. And the girl is scared too and she starts to move away. But then she sees the clown show back up pop up from behind some bushes, and he's holding a microphone attached to a speaker. So like a little portable karaoke machine. And he puts the microphone to his mouth and he goes, Are you still here? And she said it sounded like someone was talking through a mask. Like she could understand what it was saying, but it sounded like its voice was, it sounded like someone talking through a Halloween mask. And so she pauses when she hears that. And the clown looks at her. The boy's <laughs> the boy totally kicked bricks out of here but he's watching it from a distance so the clown slowly lumbers up to the little girl has his book still he opens it up and he writes in the book and he shows it to her and in the pages what he had written was hello and i am all colors sam 
So at this point, the boy's like, well, my, my, my friend's not getting devoured by this creature, not getting pissed on either. So he comes back, and now they're both standing next to this clown, and they begin asking him questions. The first question, the most obvious question the little girl asks is, are you human? And Sam goes, no. Two kids look at each other, they're like, oh, this is getting really weird really quick. Next question the girl asks is, the best follow-up question really is, second best maybe, are you a ghost? Now, it's funny because I think the I think when people hear this story, when I hear this story, I immediately assumed alien. But to a seven-year-old kid in 1973, that may not be the first question you ask. I think ghosts would be something more that little kids would be knowledgeable about. Like, if you're not human and you're weird, you must be a ghost. Anyway, she goes, are you a ghost? And he answered, well, not really. But I am in an odd sort of way. And then she goes, the most general question you can ask, what are you then? And Sam looks down at the girl and says, you know. Sam tells the kid, those are all exact quotes from, those are the exact question and the answer. Sam goes on to tell the kids that there are more like him on Earth. And that he's afraid of humans. He's afraid that they are going to hurt him. But no matter what happens, he will never hurt a human. Kids are like, mm, heard that one before. Do not believe you. No, the kids actually do believe him. They're like, oh, yay, Mr. Sam says he's not going to hurt us. Then Sam goes, do you want to see where I live? I, You know, I didn't plan it this way. Both of these stories involve children and adults and or tall people. I didn't even plan it. The, the peeing story just popped up this morning. But Sam goes, you want to go see my house? Now, these kids go, yes, let us go see your house, Sam. So he takes them off to where there's this part of this field. And there is a shed. It's described as like a shed or a um, hut type of thing. But basically, it is a two-story domicile. And the opening is like a flap. So they all go into this house. And it's described as having the two stories. And they can see both of them. So I think there's a loft. They said on the bottom floor, there's a bunch of like rough-made wooden furniture. Like a wall that had some dials on it and a heater. Like a portable heater. So basically a, a hobo's hovel. A drifter's domain. This is not a, this is not a high-tech spaceship. And when I'm reading the story, and when you're listening to the story, you're probably like, oh, great. Where is this story going? Is it a weirdo in a mask? Is it an alien? Is it a ghost? We will continue. So they all go into his house. And he says, oh, it's so funny because he realizes that this was in the story that he realizes the kids are not impressed by his house. So he said, oh, this is just a temporary house. I have a way bigger one. Super nice house in England that I spend all my time in. This is just a temporary house. And the kids are like, uh-huh. Heard that one before, too. He could tell they weren't impressed by the house, so he tried telling them he had a nicer house. He also told them he has a girlfriend in Canada that they'll never meet. But the kids basically are still peppering him with questions. And he says, well, you know, I drink water, which I was weird that this didn't even come up in conversation. When's the last time you were talking to someone? They're like, hey, did you see the game last night? And you're like, I drink water. But he tells them I drink water, but I have to cleanse it first. I have to do this like processing for it. And the kids are like, okay. And he goes, I also eat berries. That's why I was down there. I was picking berries. And the kids are like, now it's weird because his mouth has not been moving this whole time. Like it looks like he's wearing a mask. You know what? I'm going to eat a berry right now. Now, what do you think the next course of action is going to be? This is where you're like, this is where I was thinking, okay, 
There's two ways you can eat a berry. You can eat a berry in a way that exposes you as a hobo drifter, or you can do what's coming up. He then takes a berry. He's like, oh, look, a delicious berry. And he sticks it in his ear, okay? He sticks it in his ear. And then he leans forward really quickly, and then he's standing back up, and the berry is visible in the eyeball. So he has that triangle hole for both eyes, two triangle holes. And you can see the berry. They saw the berry kind of bouncing around in there. He leans forward again really quickly. He stands up, and now the berry they can see in the mouth gap, and then it disappears like he ate it. At that point, I, I there's many points in the story where I would have ran away. But at that point, I would have been like, okay, it's definitely not hobo. Hobos can't do that. Now, it could have been some sort of sleight of hand, some sort of magic. But they continue to talk to him. They are there for a half hour talking about stuff. And we don't have many details. What we've been told is that the kids continued to pepper him with questions. And he just gave off fairly vague answers. But after a half hour, the kids leave. And Sam's like... Bye. And the kids take off. First thing the kids do, they see the groundskeeper at the golf course. They tell him, we saw a ghost, we saw a ghost. And the golf, the groundskeeper is like, you guys are idiots, there's no ghost. So it sends them on their way. They end up going home and telling their parents. And it's funny because the dad's basically reading the newspaper. His daughter comes in. He's like, daddy, daddy, guess what? I had a ghost. I had an encounter with a ghost today. And we went to his house. And we hung out there for a half hour. And he has really bad furniture and a mechanical heater. That was kind of weird. Why would a ghost need a heater? But he ate berries. He ate berries in his ear. And the dad was like, uh, totally was just like, my kid has an overactive imagination. I'll pick up that prescription tomorrow. The shrink was telling me about But as she kept telling the story, and he was also hearing the story from her friend, he realized the details were always the same. So he goes, I'm going to go check this place out, because my kid might be making up this story, and then I have to go pick up that prescription. Or some creepo might have had my daughter and her friend in a shack in the middle of nowhere telling them he was a ghost. So he goes out to where the shack was. It's gone. And they say that the soil wasn't disturbed. Like, there was never a shack there, and the people who worked in that area said there was never a shack there. Dun, dun, dun. Now, that's the only sighting of Sam the Sand Down Clown, is what it's known as. So, you know, I looked more into this, and I said it's a little... It's a little clickbaity. A little... It's an interesting story, but I needed to see how true it was. Apparently, this story first appeared in the 1978 edition of the British UFO Research Association's Journal. 1978 copy of that. I wasn't able to verify that. They did list, like, names of the authors and people who investigated it, and one of the people who investigated it is the founder of the British UFO Research Association. So, as easy details to make up. The story took place in 1973. It was reported in 1978, supposedly, in this journal. The very earliest internet reference to this story was in 2018. January 2018 was the earliest reference I could find of this story. So that's a little suspicious. I'm thinking maybe someone made it up because of all the clown sightings and stuff like that. But let's look back at this quote. Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. He also said through the story that later on the story, he said his name really wasn't Sam, but like that's how he identified himself or some sort of weirdness. But Anyways, hello, and I am all colors, Sam, was his quote. In August of 1965, we're going to Spain very, very briefly here. August 1965, we're going to Caracas, Spain. Juan and Isabel Dominguez 
They are walking through the countryside from a nearby village to their home. They just bought a bunch of peaches. Taking them home. Going to have peach pie and peach cobbler and uh, peach a la mode, which is just a peach. Just going to eat it. Or does that mean with ice cream? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it just means a peach. It doesn't matter, Jason. So I'll have to look that up later. I'll Wikipedia it later. They're walking with their bushels of peaches, imagining all the great peach flavored things they're about to have. Peach schnapps. And they see something black walking near a countryside wall, like a garden wall. And then they hear a humming noise. They're like, what is going on? And that's when this creature stands up. Seven feet tall, but it was opaque, gelatinous, just oozing and wet. But it had a humanoid form, but they could just see, they could just see it like throbbing as it moved around. And it turned towards them, and it had no face at all. And they could tell, though, that it was looking at them, and it began moving towards them across the countryside. They dropped their peaches and ran home, terrified of what they'd just seen. Now, if you were a gelatinous ooze monster, but you wanted to interact with people, you would need a disguise. If you didn't want to pulsate all over the place, you would find braces. You'd get some wood to make it so your legs didn't buckle so much, so you would have the appearance of a normal human being. You would basically build an exosuit made of materials you'd find on that planet to keep your form normal. If people are afraid that you don't have a face, make yourself a helmet. But that might be related. That might be the creature that's underneath the Sandown clown helmet. Something truly alien that makes people run away in fear. But I have another theory. There's We've talked about it could be an alien, it could be a demon, it could be a spirit. It could be all three, it could be none of them, it could be something totally different. Because all of those theories have been bandied about. But what if it's something darker than that? People have a fear of clowns. It's one of the most popular fears. And it's one of those things that people can never really point to why they're afraid of it. There's been lots of theories from a cultural aspect because... People use faces to determine intent, so when the faces are exaggerated, it's hard to determine intent. Cultural factors like serial killers dressing as clowns, like John Wayne Gacy, horror movies. But none of these really account for the the deep-seated fear. But what if people aren't petrified of clowns? But when they see a clown, they're reminded of something alien. When someone sees a clown and they're terrified, they're not necessarily terrified of the clown. What if they're terrified at something the clown reminds them of. Not a horror movie, not a serial killer, not a nightmare, but something real. What if we cross-referenced people who have been abducted by aliens, experienced lost time, and whether or not they have a fear of clowns? But they don't know why they have a fear of clowns. They've been afraid of clowns since they were eight. They don't know why. But then when you look into it, they did have that weird time where they woke up in their backyard can never figure out how they got there. What if there is a connection between that? Because you're not really afraid of clowns, you're afraid of what clowns remind you of. Those people who took you away that night. And then wiped your memory clean. I don't believe those two kids sat in that house for a half hour and don't remember the details of the conversation. 
I don't believe it was just vague questions and answers because everything else is so detailed in that story. It's lost time. They're sitting in that house and then they leave. And when people ask what you talk about for that half hour, they're like, ah, just normal stuff. Because they don't remember. And so their brain has to create memories for it to fill in that gap of time. What happened to those kids in that house during that half hour? Was it just questions and answers, or was it something more alien, more dark? I think it would be very interesting to find out if those two kids now, as adults, are petrified whenever they see a clown. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Okay, everyone, that was episode Sam, the Sand Down Clown, Colin Danielle, and Tommy Davidson. Thank you so much for recommending that episode. I gotta say, Colin Danielle recommended this the last time I asked for recommendations, and I didn't want to do it. I did not want to cover this episode as a Dead Rabbit Radio Classics. I'll get into that. And then Tommy Davidson showed up, and I love his work on in Living Color. No, I'm sorry. I wonder how much Tommy Davidson gets that joke. But... Once, uh, so once, and not, not like Cole and Danielle, they recommended, I was like, pew, woo, no way. And then I was like, ooh, Tommy Davidson, he recommended it. No, it was like, I, I, I was going to do it eventually, but I was like, I don't like this episode. It's so funny. It's a good episode, but it brings back bad memories. So let's talk about this one. I, I got some interesting stuff to say about this one. Episode 283. So I'm putting out 20 episodes a month, roughly. So this would have been in the first year. This would have been like 11, 12 months into the program. Maybe right after a year. Because I take breaks every now and then. I was at the end of the... I was getting ready to wrap it up, guys. Like, I was like, I can't... I remember this. I remember this episode. I remember this episode. I, when I listen to this episode, I can all... I'm. This is why I wanted to talk about this at the end of the episode. And I hope people stuck around for this because this is an interesting behind-the-scenes thing. When I listen to this episode, I almost hear the... It's over in my voice. I almost hear myself, like, shutting... The, it's almost like I can hear myself shutting the shutters in the Dead Rabbit Workshop. It was really weird. It was both... An episode where I was getting ready to quit and an, and an episode of a new era of Dead Rabbit Radio. It was a really weird time for that. Let's talk about let's talk about the episode though, and I'll kind of explain why. Well, actually, let, let me do this first because I'll put it in context. I was running out of stuff to talk about. I remember because again, it, it had been a year of doing two stories a day for 283 episodes. So at that point, we're at five. I had come up with 500. Or more stories. Some episodes had three stories. Very few do I only cover one. 
I was running out of stuff. I was running out of stuff to talk about. And, and my work structure back then is way different than it is now. Where, because I've run into that problem so many times, where I'm running out of stuff to talk about for the week. And I'm scrounging for stories. Now I have a new system that has eliminated that for the most part. It's really cut down on that. Takes more time. I do more research, but the problem necessarily isn't the research. It's finding the stories in the first place. But I remember when I was coming across this episode, I was like, I don't have anything to talk about. I only put out stuff that I would want to listen to. Um, So I don't think I ever put out crummy stories, but I have recorded crummy episodes. I've recorded full half hour long, two to three stories, and then just saved the file put it in a folder, and started from scratch. And when you're doing a daily show, that's a lot of work. That's a day's worth of work gone. So I was kind of at the end of my rope when I did Sam the Sandown Clown. And what happened was, it was like, it was a miracle, really. I, I really consider it a miracle. It's so funny because the people who operate the website, they're just a couple cool guys. They have their own podcast. I was looking for stories and I stumbled across a website called Cryptopia. And it was nothing but cryptid stories. And one of the very first stories I read on Cryptopia was Sam the Sandown Clown, which I misspelled the name in my episode title. So I I think that also shows my mental state at the time. I wasn't even I wasn't even paying attention to errors, uh, very, very easily fixed errors. It's still it's still mistaken. I'll probably fix it before this episode goes up, but maybe not. But yeah, when I listened to this episode, I wasn't in a good mental headspace. I remember just being very, very just... It was probably towards... It's 283, so it was towards the end of a season. You know, I do 50, I do breaks every 50 episodes, so it was towards the end of the season. I tend to get more burned out then. And I just couldn't find anything. And I found this website called Cryptopia, and I was like, this is it. Now, what happened was, if you'll see, there was a time period where all I was covering was cryptids. And that also led me into a a time where I think that I lean too heavily on the cryptids. So it it wasn't a great time for me mentally with the show. So when I saw this episode, when Colin Danielle recommended it, I hadn't listened to the episode since I had recorded it. And I go, oh, great. (laughs) I mean, because it brought back that instant memory. It brought back, I remember finding the story about Sam the Sandown Clown and being like, we're back, baby. Like, this is a really cool website. This is a really cool story. We're ready to go. And, but even when I was recording the episode, I was still thinking, how long will this show last? Like, I've been throwing this life raft of having this new episode or this new story website, Cryptopia. This was before thinking about it, docs.com. See, and I'm always concerned. I'm always concerned about running out of stuff. Eventually, we will start to run out of stuff, but... I know this is kind of a downer behind the scenes thing, but I think it's important because it does show that kind of ebb and flow. And then for, I don't know if it, if I'm pretty sure Cryptopia is when I started doing all the cryptids. And I remember even some of you guys are starting getting a very, very, very rarely get complaints about this show. But I remember starting getting emails from people or YouTube comments saying, Hey, you've been covering a lot of cryptids lately. Cause that's all I was doing. It was almost like I was a man who was shutting down his store 
because I didn't think I'd find anything else, finding a resource and then leaning so heavily on that resource that people were like, hey, man, I really love your show. I really love all the different stories you talk about. Nudge, nudge. Don't keep covering the same thing. Even though those cryptid stories are great, they're really cool cryptid stories, I think there was too many back-to-back. So I remember Sam the Sandown Clown was kind of the start of that. I'm not knocking the story. The story's great. The stuff that Cryptopia came up with is great. I'm not knocking the episodes themselves. I just think they could have been spaced out a little bit differently. So re-listening to this episode, which I hadn't listened to in years, it was really interesting. I do have to say personally, I if I was doing the episode today, I totally would have edited out <laughs> the, with the return to Oz bit. What was that? See, again, like even when I was re-listening to this, I was reliving this like mental state, and I was like, what are you talking about, bro? I still would have told the Return to Oz thing, but I think it would have been shorter. I just start talking about flying beds, and then I go on this full, like, five... It's a 30-minute podcast, and I spend five minutes talking about Return to Oz. Great movie, by the way. Dead Rabbit recommends Return to Oz, but... It's just so bizarre out of place. And I also enjoy this episode because every so often, one of the complaints I get nowadays is um, you used to cover stuff on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. Now you just talk about people peeing on each other. And in this episode, a girl gets peed on, which is horrible. I It's horrible that it happened to her. But I think long, ter- long, long time listeners of Dead Rabbit Radio will know I've been covering pee and poop stories from the beginning. It's the juvenile in me. So it has nothing to do with... To me, that's a mainstay of the show. Like, if a too long goes by without me covering a story where someone gets peed on, people people will email and be like, hey, man, really love all the variety of episodes, but nudge, nudge, more pee. Are you okay? You haven't covered a pee story in a while. So I really, listening back to this episode, I really do enjoy it. I do have to say I'm super glad I ditched the gimmick where the Patreons were in this. Oh, that was awful. What was I thinking? That was another segment that just went on way too long. I'm naming these three people. What? What's, what was that? You're the girl. No, no, you're the girl. What? See, so <laughs> this is the thing. I have a love-hate relationship with this episode. I was mentally not in a good space when I was looking at the future of the show. I also found a brand new resource that I was going to be able to get stuff from and give credit to. I didn't steal anything from them. I always give them credit in the show notes, if not on the episode itself. But then I look at just baffling, bafflingly bad decisions like that. I actually stole that idea from Sofa King Podcast. They would put their Patreon users as characters in the stories, and it sucked when they did it. I don't know why I thought I could get away with it. They ditched it after a couple episodes. I don't know what I was thinking. So, again, when I listen to this episode, I hear the mental anguish of a young Jason Carpenter. But I think the story of the sand down clown... If I was going to redo any episode, this would be one of them. I really enjoy the story of the sand down clown. And once I get out of my way, once I stop cracking dumb jokes about who's the Patreon and who's this and Carson's floating around and a ghost and all that stuff. Once the story starts, it works. The story about the young girl getting peed on, it works. If I could just get out of my own way. And that's where when I listen to it, I'm like, you... Anyways, anyways, people don't like it when I call myself an idiot. But uh, thank you, Colin, Danielle, and Tommy Davidson. I think it's a pivotal episode for Dead Rabbit Radio. I really do. And I'm glad you guys chose it. It's honestly one I would not have chosen as a Dead Rabbit Radio classic. Not because I don't think it's great stories, but because the bad memories. I would not have wanted to listen to this one. 
But I'm glad you guys enjoy it, and I think the stories overcome my own personal foibles. So there we go. I, I, this was one that, again, was a long time in the classics making, and we have done it. And I don't can't think of... There's not many episodes that have such an emotional attachment to it. The episode we're going to cover tomorrow, though, I also remember being in an interesting headspace. So that is a tease for tomorrow's classic episode. I will see you guys then. Have a great day, guys.